This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead who haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I am Eric Branson, and with me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Joe Peterson and Ryan Steiskull. How's it going tonight, guys? Pretty good. I mean, all things considered, there's a lot of death in the families for a lot of people, and yeah, moving on. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but yeah, it's... Uh... So way, way she goes, way the road, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But, we, we've uh, had this conversation off of air a couple of times, but it's uh, in both of these cases, are they, they're people that had a good run, right? They were elderly yeah. and well, yeah, nothing. Or at least nothing. a long. At run. least they were a long run. Yes, nothing. I, I would say tragic, more like yeah. Yeah. okay, like yeah, the acceptance thing. But uh, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, uh, you've been doing some traveling. Yeah, um, back. If you call, we're at full yeah, strength if you call, again. Uh, <laughs> going, you know, 45 minutes north of where I live into Wisconsin, but uh, that's how close to Wisconsin I live, so. It's, uh... But yeah, no, it was fun. We did a family vacation at Lake Geneva, and uh... Oh, God, that's where my family was. Lives. Oh. Is it? <laughs> yeah. That's where that's, they moved uh... to, from Antioch to Lake Geneva, so. Okay. It's a nice area. For me. It's pretty. It is. It's, uh, it was cool. We were actually, the house we rented was actually on Lake Como, if you know where that is, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, like a mile away from Lake Geneva. But Nice. Nice. So, yeah. It was we, fun. I mean, I, as family vacations go, you know. So mm-hmm. was it like a camping type thing, but you were in a cabin, right? Oh, we're, it's, I mean, calling it a cabin would be unfair. It was, you know, a nice, like a house, like okay. on the lake, but yeah, it's a, like a big house, five bedroom, two oh, bathroom. Cool. Yeah, and it was my my parents, my my family, and my sister's family. So, so kind of a great outdoors out. situation. Yeah, yeah, which is something I can't believe we haven't reviewed on the podcast yet. That's true. That Every one's time. right yeah. there for the. Yeah. We need to do another. We're finally uh, hitting Kevin Smith film, so I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much a, a reach back. But. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, and well, today actually is when we're going to be pretty much concluding our Kevin Smith yes series right yeah for now this is a <laughs> yeah we're only I'm done sure two. something will, <laughs> so. will come up again on the on the podcast for sure but yeah so we had that um my vacation hiatus there for a week but this is this is technically the we're continuing the uh series or the picks bit based off of uh dogma so mm-hmm. um this was my my response to dogma was to check out chasing amy so What a long face, Horace. I'm just having a little girl trouble. Pressing charges? I get that a lot. Holden McNeil was set in his ways. The way he worked. The way he lived. And the way he thought love should be. But then, she showed up. Let me guess. 
You like her. This girl loves me. There's something you should know. She got a boyfriend. Well, no. Then what's to know, my friend? And this girl's got a secret that's going to drive him crazy. I like you, Hogan. I'd really like us to be friends. What I tell you, she just needs the right guy. What's up? If you come pick me up, I'll be your best friend. Now, the only thing standing in Holden's way is the truth. I can't take this. Can't take what? I love you. Not in a friendly way. How was your pseudo date? Okay, I'm telling you, she's never even been with a guy. You're dating a guy? So what if it is true? You know you have no shot at getting her into bed. I take it that's not good. Miramax Films presents a comedy that tells it like it feels. She's been around and seen things we've only read about in books. So what'd you do last night? Got lucky. Chasing Amy. Yeah, so yeah, it's uh, 1997's uh, Chasing Amy, direct, written and directed by Kevin Smith, starring Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, uh, Joey Lauren Adams, um, and of course Jason Mewes, Kevin Smith, um, and the rest of the cast of characters from the View Esk universe. Uh, yeah, even all... a, a Matt Damon car- yeah, cameo as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, Matt Damon. Matt. All he does is cameos. I'm pretty sure the only reason he was selling Bitcoin was because he too. Still, he's just like, I gotta make money. I make money off the cameos. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, this is the guy that we should trust for our financial future. Is the guy who has to show up in every else, everyone else's project. <laughs> yeah, he does like yeah. pop up in everything, just little bit parts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, he popped up in one of my family photos. Like, I don't know. It's like he's he trying to be the next Bill Murray. <laughs> It's like yeah. that's weird. We took this picture of the whole family, and there's Matt Damon. We didn't it's even like, see I'm him at the time. But like, was yeah. I Matt Damon the entire time? And I, I still, every time, and he's he's a he's a good actor. But every time I hear his name, I still think the Team America. Matt yeah, Damon. me too. I, I have to like struggle when we talk when we mention his name on the show. I struggled not to say it that way. So, <laughs> see, my thought is, it's like, is there like just more than one Matt Damon? Maybe. Like, seeing that you see him in so many things, like a Santa or an Easter Bunny or anything else. He's just, there's just Matt Damon's everywhere. We think there's one, but there's slowly Is there, like, the real Matt Damon? And there's, like, the shopping mall knockoff Matt Damon's everywhere? No, I'm talking about, like, there's an alien species. There's a species. They just look like Matt Damon. I mean, we're speciesists, so we just think they all, Matt Damon's look the same. But they, to themselves, they look different. But we won't get into that. I'm just saying we keep seeing him in these cameos. And the reality is, actually, that's this is the slow takeover. It's like we've officially agent. talked about Matt Damon for five times longer than he's in Chasing Amy. So yeah, it's like <laughs> yes. So apparently, it works. Whatever he's doing, I hear if you call his name three times, he makes a cameo in your bathroom mirror. <laughs> just kind of like you pops up going, behind you, like, just yeah. waves like awkwardly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get you a quick synopsis from the back of the DVD box. Uh, Chasing Amy is the third installment in the New Jersey trilogy from award-winning writer-director Kevin Smith. It was still a trilogy when they wrote this. So. Uh, cult <laughs> comic was this book box artist. made out of cardboard and had like that flimsy plastic <laughs> uh, clip? It, this is the Criterion Collection edition of this, actually, so I don't know where they recycled this description from but i assume this would have come out years after the the movie itself mm-hmm. but right bold move i think they just yeah. stri- they just took it from the original <laughs> they didn't even fucking yeah. bother to do a re-edit yeah. 
Cult comic book artist Holden falls in love with fellow artist Alyssa. I thought her last name was going to be there, and I, yeah, Alyssa Jones, uh, only to be thwarted by her sexuality, the disdain of his best friend Banky, and his own misgivings about himself. Filled with Smith's unique ear for dialogue and insight, and insight into relationships, Chasing Amy offers a thoughtful, funny look at how perceptions alter lives and how obsession and self-doubt skew reality. So, That's fairly spot on, I would say. Mm. Yeah. There's some questionable wordage in some spots, but I say... <laughs> it was a questionable reading, too, but I just I powered through it this time, so... <laughs> hey, you did the best with what you could, with what you had. Yeah, um, it does. That that description is a little more description of this movie. I remember when this came out, and we'll get into like when mm-hmm. did you first see this, and I'll kind of build that in here. But uh, I remember when this came out, they they really tried to pitch this movie uh, to the like you know sophomore comedy side of it. It certainly has that, those elements in it, but like you know it hard into like the clerks and mall rats thing. They try to get those people back into theaters and. Uh, the description we just read from the Criterion Edition lets on that, yeah, no, this is, this is a little bit more serious of a movie than, you know, Clerks and Mallrats were. But. It's definitely that transitional dip from, like, clearly these raunchy films of, like, crude humor to, yeah. I can explore some slightly deeper things. It's mm-hmm. that weird, not quite perfect balance kind of crossing those lines that that crude humor allows him to cross but actually doing it for a purpose and actually exploring some of those ideas exactly well yeah so this came out after mall rats but before dogma and as we Mm -hmm. talked about before dogma really goes into you know some very interesting philosophical conversations it looks and he he pretty much kind of let that go afterwards um but (laughs) yeah you know if you look at jay and silent bob strike back clerks too and so on um, and most I mean, of his Clerks repertoire too since is then. Yeah. kind of a midlife crisis movie, but yeah, but no more than the first Clerks was exactly. an early midlife crisis, yeah. and Side potentially note, the third Clerks being about you know, yeah, you're gonna die. <laughs> Side note: I watched Red State as well as Chasing Amy oh. this week, so um, oh, that's an interesting. That's worth talking about sometime, sleep. but not on this yeah, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, this definitely. I mean, there are there are ties, more direct ties to Clerks and Mallrats because, like you said, they're calling this a, a trilogy, um, right? And I can see how it is because those three movies really do reference the same characters. Um, well, and these directly. these characters even from this film come back, you know, in the later chapters of the viewers. A lot of the Jay and Silent like, Bob movies. Yeah. Yeah. Including all the way up to the the newest one reboot, giving yep. uh, giving some like closure to this whole situation, like actually like telling more of this story between these three characters, main characters here. So okay. that's because yeah, of the Blunt that Man. And Co- that's because of the Bunt- Blunt Man yeah. and Chronic comic that yeah. comes from this movie, right? That yep. fuels the narrative for those other Jay and Silent Bob two yeah. movies. So yeah, yeah. So it's all, it's all built in. It's very universe, but this movie is an outlier a little bit because it's got kind of a meta element to it as well. That it it might exist outside of that, but then later the movies kind of build it back into it because these, you know, they very much insinuate that the real Jay and Silent Bob here are you know um, archetypes for the the comic book characters. So it's very like meta for Kevin Smith's writing and the things that he's doing himself and kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting take on it. I think he's trying to be different, and then he just, you know, ends up using it as a launch board for more <laughs> silly movies. But right, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember when this one came out, it having... It, it, it was like, okay, Kevin Smith is going to try to get serious now. And it, it does was have really some of that, but kind of a test. I mean, they they ad- I remember it being advertised as a comedy, which it is. But it you could tell from the the trailers that this was something that they were trying to, you know, take seriously. You know, it was it was dealing with a more serious theme than you know slacking around a mall or working in a convenience store. Yeah. Um, but he was but, also like taking like uh, like what he does with almost each movie. He tries to explore like a thematic, like movie trope. And this like you know the last one being like you know the raunchy comedy, with mm-hmm. Mallrats, and this one being like romantic comedy. But his mm-hmm. twist. Yeah, and yeah. Then yeah. I think he actually pulls it off quite nicely of making a fresh feeling romantic comedy that's kind of edgy and I, kind of especially in 1997. It's yeah. more like, realistic too yeah, in terms yeah. of like the messy vulnerabilities of relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, here's one where they don't work out in the end. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll get to like some of that because that's some of the the critiques I have for it are you know the the potential and kind of what's lost i don't want to review a movie that wasn't made but it just i had some issues but we can we can get to those um but uh as as far as um the the plot itself though um yeah it does have a little bit more of a it, it spends more time on those serious themes than his previous work does and yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen the Jane Silent Bob reboot, so I'm not I haven't sure. seen that one yet either. And I don't know if I saw the one before that, but... I definitely hail that I'd have, one. <laughs> I'd have to go back. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it it was funny. Worth a watch if you get a, if you get a minute. It's, okay. not, it's not bad. Um, but yeah, this... Uh, I don't know, do we want to start kind of from the beginning? You sure. got a little bit of that from the synopsis, but... Uh, Holden, played by um, Ben Affleck, is uh, becomes enamored with uh, Alyssa, played by uh, Joey Lord and Adams, who was actually Kevin Smith's girlfriend or kind of ex-girlfriend at the time when they were making the yeah. movie. Yeah, girlfriend I thought uh, I read, and he made yeah. it for her, or he like a role. He wrote it. Yeah, he wrote it for her, and it's also kind of written about her in a way, like their relationship mm-hmm. and it it falling apart. So it's a very like. It's not autobiographical, but a very like hard on the sleeve kind of film, I think, for him because he, mm-hmm. and the fact that, uh, you know, they they were able to work together. Obviously, their working relationship was good still after. But, mm-hmm. um, from what I understand, yeah, Kevin Smith's what... a hard person to actually have grudges and things with, like, yeah, yeah. unless you're John Levitz. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, only one of us is John Levitz. So. Not yeah. us, but you know, us as humans. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, what weird werewolf <laughs> ah, is this? Like, is this the new werewolf? It, it's like, which one of us is John Levitt? <laughs> that would be appropriate. Um, but yeah, be, uh, get, develops a crush on um, on Alyssa. Who are, they're both comic book writers. They meet after this uh, comic book uh, convention event, and uh, he develops really a crush sure. on her finds out that she's a, a lesbian and um still kind of develops a relationship with her as, as what they, they think they're you know friends and whatever and then do end up falling in love and their complications that come with all of this stuff her you know her sexuality his kind of conservative take on 
his sexuality and that, that those kind of things butting heads. And then there's Jason Lee's character, Banky, who is his uh, creative partner, roommate, and, you know, uh, whatever, however we want to read how it all ends up. But uh, um, Homophobic cyst? The, yes. He's uh, <laughs> just, just a total total prick i can't from the even the beginning of it figure out why holden hangs out with this guy besides maybe the fact that he's known him so long but like i feel like that's exactly yeah. what it is yeah um, like they, they're they're childhood friends and know, lucky like, luckily I, I think he's got banky actually even has as much as you you know you don't really like him very much um i think he's got an interesting arc in this as well because yeah. he comes to terms with i mean there's an exploration there as well. <laughs> so it's he, like... he has an arc. I can't really say the same for Holden much until the very, very, very end, maybe. Um, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, yeah, again, Hol- I haven't seen the Holden later out films, of everybody so kind of sticks to his guns, yeah. And I don't, I don't remember all the details of later on either, but it's... Uh, well, one of the things that, that, I, that, that struck me with the beginning of this, kind of that up to where you're talking about, like where they find out that... that you know she's a lesbian. He he's already he's met her like he's met her once and has been around it like this is the second time or something like yeah. that. But he's already yep. developed this fantasy that she's really 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 into him. Like when she gets on stage to sing, he automatically kind of assumes it's about him. It's like you just mm-hmm. met her. Yeah. And I don't know if I I definitely know I didn't catch on to that when I first saw this in. 97 i guess right yeah. right around the time it came out i don't i didn't catch on with that it was more like i i guess it i i didn't agree like oh yeah she's totally into you but it didn't strike me as much as it did now how kind of eerie that is that he already yeah. is infatuated and then when he finds out that no she was actually singing to another woman he becomes a total dick about it like he pouts yeah, well, yeah, he's very, it's very upset about. Uh, yeah, it's very much his emotional maturity. Yeah, uh, and she's but the it's, one it's who very, goes but back it's very to him realistic. and says, "Hey, you know, I want to be friends. Let's hang out. Let's yeah. be cool." Um, but like, it is realistic. It, it's very realistic. Like, especially now, um, not that it's always been, but especially now, like we're at a point in our culture where we really there's a whole cultural memes pointing out these types of individuals and well it's a whole thing of like addressing you know like part of that weird toxic masculinity it's all Mm -hmm. now about being macho but also like being in this case for holden like the special guy and right that's furthermore with the fact that she is a lesbian uh, uh, at this point and you know their relationship developing and they talk about it in this movie about like he feels like he's the special unique guy who changed it and like the way that they handle it controversial like some people who've seen this uh and some of the views for this is just like this is kind of uh but at the same time you can kind of see it like it's a little bit more real and it's uncomfortable not because it's a bad movie but because that's actually kind of closer to how actually people kind of actually work in the real oh, world, yeah. like that weird narcissistic view we it, all yeah. have and how that destroys a uh, shared moment, shared as they put yeah. it, uh, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I, th- I think Kevin Smith has written a script here that's populated with very real people. And unfortunately, the very real people in them all have faults, and oh, many so of them ugly. glaringly yeah. so, yeah. yeah. The only the only yeah. character in this movie that actually should... <laughs> funnily, funny enough... Uh, that actually seems to be just straight up decent person is uh, 
Silent Bob at the end of the day. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would also say that Amy actually isn't that bad of a person either. No, like, no. She has she's her, actually the one that's moments, got her shit like, figured out, kind you know, of. But that's the yeah, thing, okay. exactly. Like yeah, as Alyssa. they state, like she, what did I say, Amy? Amy yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Alyssa. Yeah. Um, like because Alyssa, like she's even said in her character, I did all that shit when I was younger. Yeah, I have a history, but yeah. I got it's gone. I fi- I'm figuring out who I am. You know, mm-hmm. and that's part of this thing. Um, yeah, I mean they, so yeah, they develop this. D- great friendship and there's you know a montage so it's over a, a considerable period of time and this movie is out. so horribly 90s oh yeah. it, whole is, time. it is a very 90s movie yes. and that yeah. montage and it's so obvious and like <laughs> painfully you know you're getting banky's resentment and jealousy of the time that yeah. holden is spending with Alyssa. um there's the the famous scene which was it's a good gag but it's a cringy joke about like the the drawing of like okay you have the the angry male hating lesbian yeah, and yeah. the friendly man loving lesbian the easter buddy santa claus intersection who's going to get the hundred dollar bill in the middle and and well the angry lesbian because the others are figments of your fucking imagination yeah um it's mm. funny <laughs> this movie like and that's kind of what i was hinting at i think i said it just prior to us, us recording but like this is a the same movie i've seen this movie many times like i've probably seen it this was eight or nine like i've seen it a lot of times enough where every scene of it was familiar to me um but i haven't seen it in a long time so Mm -hmm. this is a very different movie than i remember but i remember it very well and that sounds like a weird thing to say but just coming from you know watching it at at my age in in modern times and all that stuff it's it's just very very different um there's some dated stuff it's very 90s but i think there's a lot of stuff that actually has to do with being older as well like it these characters make a lot more sense to me now yeah like stuff that i was just thinking was you know comedy stuff to laugh at you know and i always thought there was well-written scenes and it it was always an effective film but like i think i feel like i get a lot of this because i'm you know these are i'm probably older than these characters are at this right. point and uh you kind of get some of these things about life and maturing and and relationships and all this kind of messy stuff that's going on it makes a lot more sense than when you're you know 16 watching this you're like oh whatever they're saying bad words and making funny there's that and, yeah yeah and, and you i think banky was the character that most changed for me um mm-hmm. i always kind of thought he was a jerk Mm-hmm. But I thought he was a funny jerk or whatever. And like the funny jerk. I, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize like what Kevin Smith was really doing with that character. I always kind of read it as comic relief, and that's not what it is at all. Like he's got quite an arc here and like Yeah. Um Well it's yeah. one of those things like like I remember being the funny jerk in high school. Not that bad. <laughs> like I wouldn't yeah. I was always uncomfortable with like slurs of that mm-hmm. nature for sure. Um, but being a funny jerk as a teenager and parts of a young adult and being old. So you point out like when you get older and just like same was just like, oh, God, like I know those types that like idolize these kind of individuals like, ah, oh, you know, they're sassy. They say whatever they want to say regardless. And it's just like, yeah, look what that's gotten us in, the, in our history. But, um, you know, the datedness of this, like mm-hmm. at the same time, it has to be like it is dated. But at the same time, it's just like, fuck, this was also a pioneer of, like, this, like, right. accepting concept of homosexuality depicted in a non, like, 
uh, demonizing way to the best of its ability, which was very groundbreaking for that time, especially in a romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and one could even view this as like an an interesting take now with the idea of um uh sexual fluidity mm-hmm. like i yeah. one would one she was just like well you're a lesbian how can you do this and so forth it's like well like i wouldn't even say bisexual necessarily maybe even pansexual because she seems yeah. like someone who's like i love who i love the when way I she love describes them. and we're jumping way forward but in that scene when she and holden talk about you know uh, him being the only guy thing he's getting his like you know grinning about uh, they're laying in bed and she kind of describes her sexuality or her take on her own sexuality. I just don't think they had the vocabulary or Kevin Smith no, at no, least they didn't, didn't have uh-huh. the vocabulary for it. Or that's that exactly what she's describing. the vocabulary at that time too because yeah. Kevin Smith's brother is gay and that's what this movie helped formulate that because he was being in like you know being a part of that that culture mm-hmm. and learning about that and like you know accepting so who the, knows really. The, but, the yeah. scene when Holden when they're driving and he it's raining and he pulls over and he confesses to her that he loves her and how much he cares about her and he does the whole you know even I I know this might ruin our friendship but I just had to you know let you know and I I love that scene because it it shows yeah it's a really great scene until it suddenly stops being great Um, (laughs) but it. I really liked it, especially when she storms out, and he's he doesn't understand why, and that shows like that immaturity where, you know, like fuck you for putting all that on. Yeah, me. this That's is your, your problem, shit. not mine. Yeah, and I really love that. Like you're, you know, you're what you're, you're trying to change who I am. This is who I am, and you know, because you confessed this to me, I'm supposed to just what you know change to accommodate that- you subversion of the trope in a romantic comedy exactly because that is which this does a lot it really does it's when you know he's walking back to his car which by the way there's i I have to i have to point out the blooper because i see it every time when he's walking past yes he's walking back to his car and he passes by the window you can totally see the camera crew Follow I almost feel bad pointing it out because it's one of those things. I'm sure uh, I've Kevin never Smith that, probably can't so. even watch this movie because of that. Yeah. I know how filmmakers but, are, but I gotta and, look at that. And now. I know it's the whole like <laughs> crux of the plot and everything. But when she turns around and comes running back to him, I think in '97 when I saw this, I was like, "Wow, you know, like okay, that was a great scene." But I guess at 40, looking at it, I was like, "Oh, why the fuck did she should have just kept going?" Like because now this is all complicated, but. You know, again, it's the point of the story it, is that you're dealing with right. complicated people. I think it is. I mean, it, it, it's making it complicated, and I think that that was the point where things get complicated. That that happens. That scene occurs. This this yeah. a lot of things happen in this movie that I didn't notice before, and that's probably because I'm you know a little more of a critical eye this time. But that is literally almost one half, fifty percent of the the runtime through the movie. That scene occurs. It has a strong fade to black and back up on uh the next side it's like that's this critical like turning point in the film and everything's the first half and the second half are very different from one another Mm -hmm. uh the first half is much more like a kevin smith movie the second half is much more we're really going to dive into we're going to talk relationships you know Mm -hmm. this is a romantic comedy so let's let's get into the dirty and let's let's really talk about relationships you know um the and not just the dirty as in the you know open talk about sexuality which i think we're talking about 
sorry, I'm side noting myself again, but we were talking about how kind of revolutionary it was in 1997 to have this open discussion of, of sexuality, homosexuality, showing, even though it was clunky, <laughs> showing <laughs> bits and pieces of the culture and, um, it didn't really have anything it's, else to build off of, to be fair. Right. Well, I don't want to say that's true, but Kevin no, Smith likely didn't in, know of anything else. To right, and in, in the mainstream, the kind of stuff that we were finding at the time. Like, that's, yeah, you know. the mainstream. Um, it also has a very honest way of talking about sexuality, period. Whether it's homosexual, heterosexual, like, it just, it's like... It's really got an unfiltered yeah, way, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, some of it's, like, really honest, like, right-out-there stuff. It's not just all dick and fart jokes. I mean, that's there, too, I think, but... I think the battle scars yeah. scene <laughs> the, where they're talking about their sex scars. Like, oh, that's they, a genius scene too. Cause Banky he, he, and, and Alyssa. And that's he came how up they with that bond. idea mm-hmm. based yeah. on, on the scar scene from Jaws and even blocked it the same way. They're sitting in the same position as, as uh, uh, Quint and uh, Roy Schreider's character in uh, um, Jaws. Yeah, Dreyfus, yeah. Yeah, Dreyfus, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, that that was that is a great scene because that's when you're seeing the... <laughs> You know, okay, her and Banky are getting along, but then Holden's being the dick, which... Yeah. Okay, that's strike three, by the way. I'm keeping track for Holden, where (laughs) he falls immediately for this woman he just met and is is narcissistic enough to think that she's only talking about him. Two, when he finds out that she's not, he pouts and becomes an asshole. And then three, when he totally unburdens his feelings onto her, regardless of what it does to their friendship. And it's right. like, okay, I'm just keeping well, he, track. <laughs> he does. He, he vomits all that stuff onto her, and it's just like, okay, well, now it's your move, you know? So if, you, if the friendship ends, that's really like, yeah. But she's, you're she's right. Was, her criticisms just, are absolutely right. That so. was such a trope in movies prior to this. Like, every romantic comedy is just, I'm well, just, a, you know, the standing there with a fucking boombox, or I'm just a boy kind of a crap, you, you know, that all that. Well, and you have that stuff that formulates and everyone like a young boy's head to think that mm-hmm. like these are the gestures these are the things i'm supposed to do which again adds to kind of the realistic depiction of holden but have the actual like probably cathartic response that maybe people put in those positions by these people kind of want to have through Alyssa. it's like fuck you like don't burden me with this and yeah. other shit like that throughout where it's just like he is holden is supposed to be our male lead, our the character we're supposed to have sympathy for, but as Joe's energy is clearly depicted, that's really hard to fucking do. And I I like to think that's... I know I think that is the intention here. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he I is supposed is. to be a, dude, a young dude in his 20s. You don't know what love is, and you don't know the fragility and yeah. the destructive power that it has for everyone involved in it. It's mm-hmm. a vulnerable state. It is... It is horrific and you need to keep yourself in check because you can be easily the one that ruins it Mm -hmm. even if you think you're trying to fix it like you are not thinking beyond yourself despite how much you think you're not yeah like that's all it is well and even how he like we mentioned before how he kind of you know glows when he gets the idea that he's the first man she's been with yeah. yeah, and she makes that known, too. It's just like what makes you so happy in more more ways than any... Like, any time I ever told you how special you are, uh, ever did. Like, that was the thing that made you feel special. Like, yeah. yeah. Which is, again, narcissistic on his part. Oh, yeah, horrible. Narcissistic on like... all of everyone's well, and it, part. And all 20-year-olds. Like Kevin Smith's script takes... Makes very careful to point out 
that all of Holden's behavior comes from him feeling inadequate. Like it is, is a very yeah. much a reaction to he can't he can't really cope with uh, Alyssa's sexual history and all this stuff because because of the way he feels about it. That's really nothing to do with it. You know, her. Mm. It's it's because yeah. he feels like he's not somehow living up or could never be enough because of all of these. And actually, because of her, you know experience and because of her she actually knows that she's comfortable where she is he's the one that's made uncomfortable by it so yeah it's well she's yeah sorry yeah no no it's go ahead oh i was just gonna say like adding with that it was like she states in the movie like her whole goal in her life and the reasons that she did the things that she does in her past is she was trying to figure out who she was like and what what goals to go down like that was her goal Whereas Holden, clearly the reason that he's so conservative because he never even thought to do and take those risks and stuff. He just thought in the same traditional view, and mm-hmm. that's what's fucking him over. And yeah. then when he tries to do the thing, it's just like, it's too little, too late. It's just like, you're trying to do something. I already went down on the path. You're not understanding me. Yeah. And like, not only that, you're traumatizing me. <laughs> well, and yeah. they develop a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And he fucks it up rather quickly. Well, Banky partly helps. because of Banky, but yeah. it's a two-way street. It's a, it's a, yeah. B- Banky builds him up, but these are these are all things he's already harboring. He just doesn't have the information. Like no matter how he gets the information about finger cuffs or about like all these things yeah. that, uh, no, whenever that comes up, it's going to be an issue. So whether Bank Banky yeah. brings it to him, whether he finds out later, these are exactly. things that Holden's always this character is always going to react that way too. Yeah. It's kind of like Banky's is bringing the ammunition, but he's still the gun. Like, yeah. right. still the gun. Instead of saying, I don't care, he brings it yeah. up to her. Also, in a really weird setting, like they're at a hockey game. Though it's a, it's a well, good scene because it shows, like, the Before the we touch on the hockey game up. part, he does, because then to give credit, which shows, like, the interest and way that Kevin Smith, like, talks about this, he does talk to his one, their one shared friend. Um mm-hmm. We should talk about character very briefly. Oh, Who yeah. is he? Um, I'm looking for the actor. Is it Dwight Dwight Ewell? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who plays like this black militant comic <laughs> book writer who really is actually gay, but he's using the black militant um, persona to sell his comic book because he's like, I'm a minority in a minority. Yeah. And it's just like he's such a fascinating, fun character. Yeah, he is. He's um, under underused. And, yeah. Yes, um, he's also got he some of the funniest up. lines in the movie yeah. too. Like he you know. does. He that... also played. He was also in Dogma, by the way. He played the uh, one dude in the strip club, the lead uh, oh. gang member. Oh, that was him. Okay. I didn't know that was him, but <laughs> okay. it is him. Yeah, but, the, uh, the, he... the scene to, to, to just mention that scene in, from the beginning where he's doing a panel about racism <laughs> in comics and how. Banky and Holden kind of sabotage it is absolutely hilarious still. <laughs> yeah, that's a good oh, scene. Oh, that's a Nubian? <laughs> Motherfucker about made me laugh. <laughs> the, um, yeah. But there, so there's a scene where Holden and him are in the record store uh, and he's, Holden's telling him like, I know I'm not supposed to be bothered by this, that this shouldn't matter, yeah. but it yeah. does. And then that's where they're ha- he's having that conversation with him and he's he's being this this wise this Mm -hmm. man of wisdom and like his obi-wan essentially like listen luke like finish your training don't go there don't do this thing kind of like before you go to cloud city yeah he tells him you're right it doesn't matter yeah 
And like, yeah, he's trying to but, talk him off the ledge, like in very common sense and very like you know. But um, he, yeah. he even says is like you should talk to her, her about it and just get it done with. The better you guys will be. And then he fucking decides to do it at a fucking hockey game. And yeah, the way so he does Holden, it is by interrogating her. Yes, it's a bunch of questions and, and instead of just saying, "Hey, I, I heard something and I just want to clear the air." No, it's this kind of. I'm going to trick you into saying something or I'm testing you. Um, you know, what Which she catches on to about halfway through and yeah. starts well, playing the game with him. But like, Even yeah. the fucking dude next to him turns goes like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Even I know where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I told you these were good seats. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable scene. Partly because it's intended to be with the the buildup of the violence on the ice rink, you know, there's yeah. fights breaking out and oh, the way this... the just the juxtaposition of that shit was yeah, great. It, it's just an, a build, build, build. It's it's really yeah. well done, but it's a really frustrating scene because at this point now, that's number four for Holden, and you're just like, dude, yeah. you are a total ass. Like so far, yeah. no redeeming qualities. <laughs> well, and he not only is he an ass, he actually kind of is catching on that he's an ass. And that's going to end up being like, he can't you can't know, stop being an ass, but yeah, yeah. He, he can't like, he can't not be upset about it to the point where he just totally shoots himself in both feet and, you know, ruins the chance for this relationship to grow into something which you know, both of them in a perfect scenario, you know, where he could get over his bullshit. I think they, you know, you're led to believe that this could have been a relationship that lasted or, you know, something, but um, well, yeah, he he totally destroys any chance of that with the way he reacts to all of this. Yeah. Well, it's what it, it's definitely framing and showing here is just the 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 fact that like um, this relationship because when when they finally have their confrontation in the parking lot and she tells him all of this stuff and she's explaining you know like earlier said like this is like she was just exploring trying to figure out who she was and you know there's mistakes along the way but those are her mistakes those are part of who she is she made them those are her choices Mm -hmm. and like she's saying but i molded her into who she is today yeah and Mm -hmm. i love you i choose to be with you i don't need all those other things i like being with you you I have gone like I have broken so many boundaries to be with you because of how I feel about you. Can you still love me? And he's like, oh no. And again, it's like, and this is very cool about the movie. And we haven't, I haven't talked yet about like my past with this movie, which we'll get to at some point. I want to get to, but yeah, I meant to get to that earlier, but yeah. um, because it is part of this. It's like again. It's like this relationship isn't about this love shared moment thing that he was romanticizing. It's about him and his insecurities. Like, again, like anyone in their 20s or not even just their 20s, but anybody who doesn't learn to mature in a relationship and see a relationship as a partnership with an individual. Mm-hmm. Um this is this is this movie is that that like this is the habits that you're doing these are the toxic habits that you have this is where it's going to lead to and like that's what holden is it's like oh i hate this guy it's like yeah but at one point we were probably all this guy and some are even still this guy guys or girls like this is a toxic romantic trait and this is the depiction of so and you're right unfortunately how much we dislike holden or think is you know dislike his his choices or whatever throughout this movie 
um they're all very unfortunately familiar i think from growing up and like yeah kind of navigating relationships at one point in your life you know it's uh yeah um yeah hopefully we all grow past this hopefully this character at the end of the movie has grown past this i think we're i think that's kind of what it insinuates but it's um yeah well the, there's the lunch that holden then has with jay and silent bob because they're the inspiration for the comic and so he's like they're getting their ro- the royalties or yeah. what is that they're collecting there? their royalties yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's when we have the you know once per film when silent bob speaks and this is probably the most dialogue that he has. Yeah, he's got like a soliloquy. He here tells a he whole story. Like, yeah, yeah, and finally tells Jay to shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> it's not the only time, <laughs> but, but yeah, he, uh, you know, he tells a similar story about a former girlfriend. Hence, you know, the, the name Amy. Hence the title, um, and how he did the same thing. He's like, yeah, I did this stupid thing where I asked about ex boyfriends or past, you know, lovers and stuff, and got really pissed off and broke it off and I shouldn't have I regret it and that's where the whole like I've been chasing Amy so to speak comes from yeah because um, you made which... this terrible mistake you realize you want you didn't mean to and you went to like make make amends but the damage was done well I mean, and that this, has to this... be the scar that teaches you the lesson it's... to not do that again it's interesting because in the view of universe you know you've got a couple of actors who um, have been in other films like I'm thinking of of uh, Dante from Clerks, mm, yeah, Brian um, O'Halloran, Brian O'Halloran, yeah. who essentially the the arc he has in Clerks is what Silent Bob's talking about because if you remember oh, in God, Clerks that's yeah. what Dante does is he he gets upset about his girlfriend's former promiscuity and yeah, thirty seven. Yeah. Well, not not just that. He also has like an ex show up. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of weird. Right. There's yeah. other weird shit going on there too. But Which, that, that that is also made mentioned. Like Alyssa is actually friends with that girl who fucked the dead dude. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they tie like, it in really well. But <laughs> but just like the story he's telling, it's like oh this sounds familiar. Um. But honestly, that's fine because yes, that's yet another very real thing that a lot of people do is they get really upset about their current partner's past yeah. and it's like well shouldn't you have worked this up before you got in the relationship yeah like it's you, not ex- you... it's not exclusively men but it's definitely mm-hmm. a lot um, of it yeah. a lot of it's men like a man yeah. can have it's typically described can have a fruitful uh prom- promiscuous past but if a woman does then she is less than right. pure um which is like fucking bullshit well yeah again clerks touches on that stuff too exactly yeah and so after this great soliloquy and this sage advice from silent bob holden develops a plan that is the most ridiculous stupid plan the beauty of that is they did the cliche where he's sitting at the park that they connected at on the swing watching the sunset and you see like with every fucking romantic cliche Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. you see, I have a plan to fix this. Yeah, yeah. he's got the winter back plan. Yeah. And it's absurd. It's <laughs> that they, he and oh. Banky and her need to have a threesome. Yep. The way we, they... We've left out the detail that Hooper, uh, the, their mutual friend, the black gay man... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the black gay man. Leads, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, leads, uh, makes a few comments about Banky's 
obvious attraction or feelings, uh, repressed yeah. feelings for Holden. Yeah. Um, so Holden, obviously, we don't, we don't get a whole lot of him stewing on this, but Holden obviously has taken this to heart. <laughs> Whether it's true entirely or not, obviously there's some connection there that Banky's having some jealousy issues, you know, how, how much homosexual or like, you know, attraction or, or whatever is there is, is up, up to your interpretation. However, Holden's totally buying it that, you know, so, and knowing Holden as we know him throughout the rest of this movie, that doesn't necessarily make it true. He, he would be yeah. totally willing to believe someone's into him, even though it's uh, yep. not. So, um, yep. anyway, yeah. So, thus, that's where I think that the seeds are planted for this mm-hmm. plant, the grand plan. Um, which, yeah, it, it is, I think it's a great I scene. I need to be because... the center of a three-way. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all about, you know, me. That's what would fix yeah. my relationship if I'm in the center of a three-way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And spoilers. Banky <laughs> agrees and Alyssa <laughs> so, somewhat reluctantly. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, he, he does. And then this she is says, a long no, he, scene he's like, too. Oh, thank it Christ. Is. Like, this is a long buildup of a scene. It is. This, yeah. yeah. And, and again, and this movie's done got in such a careful way. Really great scenes. And this is another one that's just really yeah. well done as, as stupid and as awful as Holden is being like, it's yeah. character. Oh yeah. But, and, so. and actually uh, the way Alyssa refuses is really a great performance by, uh, by Adams in this. By so real. Adams. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's really good in this movie. Really chill it, about it. Like, and yeah. just says, you know, I, I get it. I get what you're trying to do. But if this is your way of fixing it, you are beyond. <laughs> you're worse than I thought you were. Um, and like you're not understanding me yeah. at all. And Again, this is, this is about you. And slaps yeah. him and leaves. But it's not like your 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 typical stand up slap him and storm out of the room. She like really talks to him about it and then slaps well, him. Well, even before he even out. makes a suggestion, like, she knows where he's going with it and she's begging, like, in a very kind of yeah. traumatic, like, please don't say what I think you're going to. Right. And he should have read in that moment that she is so uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I was uncomfortable. Well, I, I like that her last few lines to him in that scene are um, I love you and in some way I probably always will. And then she steps back, smacks him across the mouth and says, but I'm not your fucking whore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and it's like, that is exactly what you needed to hear. Like, that's... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I and then we jump to a year later at a comic convention. And Alyssa's got a booth and Banky's got a booth and Holden comes in. and It's, I don't know, this, the end scene kinda of weird, this isn't it? bothers me. The yeah. ending of this bothers me. Oh, I, I yeah. It used to bother me a lot, but because what, what, what bothers you, you tell, guys? You, yeah, you tell it, me what, what. So it it's just the way it's done. It, it's like wow, you've you've broken all these tropes for romantic comedies, but this is right out of a friggin' John Hughes movie. You know, at first with the, you know, he doesn't say anything to Banky. It's all just these kind of like eye contact and smiles and little hand gestures and stuff like that and it's supposed to be like yeah i guess good you don't get the you don't get the idea that like their friendship is going to be okay they're they're not but they're cool with each other like they're civil they moved on they are acknowledging one another like and that's like okay well it's kind of corny but fine cool it just it seems like 
I don't know. It, it felt out of place in a movie that was doing such a great job of like breaking down those things. It kind of threw one in there. But then when he goes over and he's talking to Alyssa, and you know he gives her his comic and stuff like that, right there, it's like, dude, you're still dumping your emotion on her mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, oh, by the way, I'm writing a comic now too, and it's inspired by our failed relationship. And, you know, let me know what you think and give me a call sometime. And it's like, dude, you haven't learned shit. And the way that she kind of, you know, her smile thing at the end when her, her partner comes over and asks who that was. And she's like, oh, just some guy I knew. Good ending line. Because it's not some guy I know. It's I knew it's in the past. She's not going for it. But he is still a fucking douchebag. And I don't know if that was the intention of what we're supposed to think of this character at the end. I think the intention is that we're supposed to think he's moved on to. He hasn't. Maybe with Banky, but he has not moved on from Alyssa. He's still dumping his emotional baggage on her. That's the yeah. problem I have with the end of it. That's is it. that I don't yeah. think it was that. Uh, that's what I got out of it, but I don't think that was what was intended. Interesting. What about you, Eric? Um... I, the ending of this used to bother me because I felt like it, maybe it just because it wasn't the ending we were used to seeing uh, in a rom-com kind of movie. So it, it always felt a little off. I liked it a lot better from my perspective now because I think as you get older, you see relationships, both romantic and non-romantic relationships that you have with people fall apart. Not even like violently fall apart, but sometimes they just dis- they dissipate. And they're gone mm-hmm. and they just, you know, you move on with life. And I feel like that is very realistically depicted here. Like, these are three people that are just moving along. Like, um, I do see what you're saying about him still kind of dumping his baggage on her with the comic book. But if you read the couple of frames that we see for a second, it does feel like, and I, I, I should probably pull up a picture of him, but it does feel like from the way that it's worded there that... He's learned something. Maybe he's still doing some Holden kind of stuff there, but the look on his face and their last few, like, after the kind of awkward exchange, I think when he walks up to that table, he thinks he's being Mr. Smooth still, but I think he figures out right away, like, nah, nah, this is over. Like, this is in the past. And as he walks away, he, he he's moving on. When that door closes, like, that's that's the end. They've all moved moved on, and we're, we're done. So, um... Yeah, I think as from from my perspective now, like the, at my point in life now, I I really like that the ending of the movie being like that because I think it it's a very realistic way that things play out. It's not necessarily a downer ending, but it's not like your typical rom com. You know that that typical ending would have been he throws the comic book down the table and she stands up and they share a kiss and they you know there's brilliant music and he wins her back with it which obviously that was not going to be in this movie but yeah if i may Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think what i learned from my point of view from this movie that ending of the movie is that this was his own version of him learning his own chase and amy story and sharing it with her which ultimately what i've learned from this is holden can't stop stealing fucking shit from jay and silent bob <laughs> um, no, but he's that, probably paying, paying him royalties on that too. But but I I I thought there was there is there is it's a weirdness because for me it is a it there's a balance. This whole movie for me, mm-hmm. 
is a balance um that it, it it walks on a very thin razor line uh and it really it really is swayed on the viewer and how they want to interpret something um and so that's why i was interested in hearing both of you guys like do the thing because like i would say like i feel an uncomfortableness because i see this what he's doing it's just like you didn't really need to do this gesture you didn't need to do any of this you could have just let it go and it is very holding of him like joe said but in the same degree i also am with eric i do think he did learn a lesson and he wrote it as an actual story as proof as physical proof of what his interpretation and what he learned from it was and handed it to her not really needing her to say something because he didn't demand it but it's like I just thought, I want you to at least read this to see if you think I did learn my lesson. If you think I did, I'm happy to be friends again. I think you're awesome. I liked what we had. It, it's, the romance can be gone, but it, we could at least, just so you know, a, bury a certain hatchet or you don't have to feel uncomfortable around me. But I at least want you to know that I did make, I did think about this, you know, and this is how I thought about it. And if you don't agree then you don't have to talk to me ever again like he does leave it to her but i would he, like to think that but i just don't think that was the intention personally but, but here's that, that it's the difficult thing because you as the viewer us as the viewer we have to see these toxic traits in holden it's important to this film um that the male lead in every romance is not good like, these are not how a relationship works. And, and Alyssa herself is is the antithesis of that. Because she is a real human being with real, like, personal emotions that could contradict what the male or lead wants. And it's just like, sometimes it doesn't work and you have to figure it out. Yeah. It's part of that messiness. So there is that bitterness and like, God, he really sucks. But again, it's like, yeah, so did we. We all did this. Well, probably I, multiple I, times. So I do have my story, but go ahead. Well, and I think, if you don't mind, Eric, no, nope. uh, or guys, this would be a good time to bring. Like I first saw this when it came out. Um, I, don't, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but right when it became available for rent. Um, and I remember really liking it and finding it really, really funny because the humor at the time, you know, was was very different than today. But I I do have to think a bit how. And I remember this this movie. I I did recognize that this movie was different than other Kevin Smith movies. Like I said before, it was kind of advertised as a little bit more of a grown up topic. But I was still pretty young, you know, when when this came out. So you know, I was a teenager, ninety seven. Yeah, I would have been in high school. Um, and I don't think some of the really important lessons that were being shown in this movie were picked up i know not by me as much as i pick up now kind of like you said eric it's a very different movie than i remember it being but i remember it well i just didn't yeah. remember some of how like it, and it comes with with i would like to think maturity right and this is pretty ahead of its time it's, unfortunately yeah. i don't think the audience that saw it back then picked up on it as well because i mean especially when we're still having these same problems today right. <laughs> i think a lot of the people that were the target audience of this, they didn't, they, they missed the moral lesson. I think part of that is it's hard to, to get the moral lesson in a movie when you got Jay and Silent Bob there. 
Yeah. You know, as we talked well, about with, with dogma, there's a lot of really great philosophical points there, but in in dogma, they beat you over the head with it a little more abruptly and bluntly than in in this one. I think the the humor in this kind of masks some of those lessons a little bit. Yeah. Well, and this is done mostly through character scenes, and, and most of Dogma's strongest points are, are, are the same thing. But, mm-hmm. but yes, Dogma has a way of like loudly repeating its message. This is more in. There's a lot more subtext here. Like you yeah. do have to like yeah. This feels like a little bit a totally different movie in a, in a lot of ways than the movie I was familiar with. But at the same time, it's still it's the same, you know. So yeah, um, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, you mentioned it being ahead of its time. I think it's light years ahead of its time. Nothing like this has been has been made from 1997 until about 2015. We start making stuff like this again. Like it's yeah. stuff that's honestly talking about. It. And yeah, some of the depictions of of the homosexual um, characters and the culture are uh, a bit clunky and kind of through the eyes of a you know heterosexual white male in the 90s um, in the 90s uh, but i think the its intentions are very good like mm-hmm. does it play perfectly now no it's it's a little dated even in its depictions and its discussions about but at least they're talking about it in 1997 they're having these discussions it seems it seems so more much more important than i ever realized that it was i thought it was just kind of a raunchy comedy raunchy rom-com you know when i yeah. saw it at first and, and i, I think, always enjoyed it and i thought there were some good scenes and i thought it was well acted and um but i think yeah i i expected to f- come back to this and find it to be a lot of like kind of really 90s dick and fart jokes because like even remembering certain lines and characters and the way things played out I think now I feel that I get that subtext that I didn't have before, and I see why those characters were that way and why those things are said the way they're said. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, I thought this was going to be dated in a very different way than it is. So, <laughs> yeah, so. I, I'll I'll give it that. It, it it it's dated, but not how I how I remembered it or how I expected it to be. Um. Yeah. Uh. So when I saw this, I was probably 20. Um, and it was actually during a breakup. Like, not during a breakup. It was, like, within that period of time that I'm still dealing with a breakup. Mm. Um, and so it was very good. And I felt like, holy shit. Like, this was... I watched so many Kevin Smith films at that point. This was the one I didn't watch yet. And I decided, like, oh, guess, I guess now's the time. And I got something really meaningful out of it. And I felt very strongly about it. Um, so fast forward. So th- by the way, this is the second time I've seen the movie. Um, so fast forward a couple years. Uh, I had a two year long, two almost two and a half year long relationship that ended. Um, it didn't end well, but it was one of those situations where we were trying to be friends. Like it was already like a few months out. Um, she was in a relationship with another person. Uh, and her... Uh, she was asking me, like, hey, he, uh, we're watching Kevin Smith films. Do you have anything that you want to suggest? And I'm, like, thinking, like, she, she of course, is, um, she's bisexual. She, you know, she had a history where her first romance was w- w- with a woman for so long in high school and so forth. And, you know, um, and I figured, you like, oh, you might like this movie. She also enjoyed, like, like she could see the, the deeper parts with when it comes to, um, through raunchy humor and be mm-hmm. unoffended. And I thought this this should be a fine suggestion, and I did. The response I got back 
was, well, this movie was fucking horrible. So fucking offensive. Like, just these lists of things, it shamed me. Mm. And I'm like, I'm realizing, and I'm thinking about what I remember for the movie and stuff, and I realize, like, I guess, like, the con, and what it is, is, like, it's the concept of, like, uh, a woman who is gay, a lesbian, who is just, a straight man changes her world. I, I, I'm going to assume that was the interpretation. Needless to say, I will say this, we're not friends, and, um with how the breakup went this i felt this like this was me trying to be like hey yeah let's and then watch is it just is eradicated and then i like i was kind of worried to approach this movie again because i'm like i can see where it's problematic yeah in its theming um and that she made that very quite clear uh god forbid she was gonna hold back any uh opinion and it made me feel really bad uh and i felt like i had an awkward situation however when we did watch this movie and like knowing that there was strong criticisms from the lgbtq community about it for it support of it and yeah. against it uh going into this i was worried and having rewatched it now uh that's where i now see the razor line and that mm-hmm. this movie is good and it has bad parts but the bad parts are mainly because the humor itself is outdated. Because <laughs> at the time, that yeah. that humor is actually the worst part of this. However, the concept in it, uh, and I say this again, I think even at that time prior, because now we're getting more into more openness about like sexual f- uh, fluidity with people and exploration and so forth. We're trying to be more friendly. This movie kind of has a weird resurgence based on that fr- that filter and frame of mind which is more recent for me versus back when i showed it to her even more so before i saw it my first time that having come back fully around i can see that like this movie if you give them the new modern definitions like amy isn't purely a lesbian she is still somebody who is exploring herself in fact even her own group yeah i was gonna uh, bring that up chastises her Mm -hmm. Because, again, it's actually showing, like, it's not just Holden who has the conservative view. It's also her fellow friends who are, like... I I like that it doesn't stereotype any groups. It's just saying this group of friends of hers. Because she, you know, has other friends that don't care, but the ones that she was hanging out with do um it so well, it doesn't it doesn't paint with a broad brush and i appreciate that about well it. it it's again she's finding herself surrounded by people who don't want to see her for her but have her fit into the mold that makes them comfortable right. and that includes not just holden but anyone mm-hmm. and that's just everyone in general as a whole that you are either a person who is trying to explore things and figure yourself out and she shows us like i thought i was a lesbian then i met you but then it's just like my whole goal is to be open to exploration so i'm going to go forward with you because you make me happy which is a good way to go about things like if you make me happy and it's not self-destructive that's fine but destructive parts for everyone not just holden also fucking banky almost everyone in this who has these any kind of conservative value of a sort which by that i mean you're just going to be rigid like i am so and so and there's no change now and anything else is a threat it's like that's problematic and that's even to this day like if you can't be somebody who is open to better concepts even if it goes against what you originally thought then what are you you're well, a lot holding of yourself back a lot of it's ah, puns. a lot of it's selfishness i mean narcissism and it's narcissism, narcissism. I, I think Alyssa is really one of the ones who demonstrates that the least yeah mm-hmm. um 
Because even Banky, you know, he's critical of their relationship because he's jealous of the time. Yeah. That he's spending with her and not him. Um, part exactly. of that is, is work, but part of it is also just their friendship. So everybody's kind of in it for themselves. I guess hurt to a, to a degree. But I think that's that very brief scene where she's with her friends is an important one. Because it is mm-hmm. showing that she, she doesn't really have a lot of support anywhere. Yeah. And that's what she's looking for is is just somebody to support her. Not like financially, but just like somebody to be in her corner. Yeah. And she's not finding that even with the guy that she's trying this relationship out with. Um, some of the some of the criticism that this film, and this is just from the Wikipedia page, but there's um, one quote here is from Lisa Diamond in the book Sexual Fluidity, Understanding Women's Des- uh, Love and Desire, uh, says that it's a notable example of female sexual fluidity in pop culture and that it depicts a lesbian becoming involved with a man contrary to the more widespread depictions of heterosexual women becoming involved in same-sex relationships. Yet, you also have the uh, Judith Gardner criticism in the book Masculinity Studies and the Feminist Theory, um, a fairly repulsive genre film featuring heterosexual conversion narrative that's set in motion by the desire of a heterosexual person for a seemingly unattainable gay person. Yeah, I mean, it really is how you look at it. It, that's the thing mm-hmm. but when you look at that, how it actually land, sticks to land is like this relationship died it di- died because of the the flaws yes. that yeah. you are seeing this movie yeah. isn't about you can have these flaws and still get the cake at the end no it burned a friendship was lost a, yeah. two friendships were lost and a relationship within that friendship one of those friendships maybe two who knows yeah. i don't yeah. uh ever want to insinuate that there's a right way or a wrong way to view a movie and and, and mm-hmm. everybody's you know what they walk away from it is perfectly valid um that was kind of my worry coming back to this movie that it would feel yeah. like that how does she call it a heterosexual conversion narrative because that's, that's kind what of what i, I remember about, about too it. well it's i remember being then ashamed I, about it yeah but then i remember then like watching it this time i was like okay well that only works if you're identifying with what holden's with holden's behavior not identifying, because maybe we can recognize some of it as toxic traits or whatever, even if we've been in that place in our life mm-hmm. at some point. But, but like, I was going to say, that only if we're. Yeah. I was just going to. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, just let me one, one second. But only if we're depicting Holden as the quote unquote hero of this story is it really a heterosexual conversion narrative. Yeah. If, if we're pointing out, which I think the script does very well, that Holden is. is you know, plagued with toxic traits is, you know, overcoming this kind of like conserve conservative is not even the right word, but just this rigidly structured, like things have to, you know, be this way and holding it. It's it's still considered technically conservative by Mm -hmm. definition of just simply Um, conservative is rigid. You know, I think only if we see him as the quote unquote hero of the film, is that a problematic thing? Yeah, exactly. and I guess one of my criticisms, and it's it's hard to do this because I'm trying to remember when the movie came out, and you know it's, we do that a lot on this on this podcast is we like well you Not know the movie for when, when it came out came at the out. time versus now you know but in this case it's kind of inverted because the 
I think if this movie were to be made today, it would do all. It would be phenomenal. Like I think it would be again. Huge. Like I like it's the yeah. cycle, right? But, There's certain periods where this wouldn't have worked. But I think ago. when it came out, it was it was a success when it came out, and it, it was, was it was acclaimed. But it's in retrospect, it's pretty clunky. And I think one of the things personally for me that I think would see, I I would expect to see if this were to be made today, is a more definitive condemnation of Holden's behavior. He kind of gets off at the end here with like a, maybe he's worked his shit out and maybe not. And while that is realistic, I think today if this were to be made, they it would be much more like, nope. <laughs> like, you would either show that he has really turned around or that he has not. And the way it ends, I feel like it leans towards like, not really as much as he could. And I don't want to go into the you know the the pitfall of is he good enough um you know do we expect perfection that kind of thing but it's it's left a little too ambiguous uh for today and so that that kind of puts it in a weird place for me um not not to say it's it's a bad film in fact i agree some of the humor doesn't work but the theme here is like wow this is more important now than probably well, I'll say more now than it was then, but it's still a very important topic. It just it it doesn't it it doesn't. I don't feel like it sticks the landing how it should. Sorry, Ryan. I know you're trying to get a word in. Uh, I I have, I have better words for for what exactly I was trying to say, and that is that the heterosexual conversion narrative exists within Holden's character, but I think the screenplay itself is is criticizing that quite often. Yeah, and yeah, so, definitely. So that's really what I was going for. I like I like how you you transition. It's just like I know you're trying to say something, but I have better words. Like I, it just stopped at that point. I'm like, well, okay well, then. Better better words than what <laughs> Such I said a earlier. Bold Sorry. claim. No, it's yeah. okay. No, and I think that's uh, I think that's great. Uh, what you, what you said, like that's dead on. And that's the thing too. I think when a pe- person kind of views this movie, again, this is going to be we're just regurgitating certain things here. I apologize, but it it needs to get made the point home. If you go into this movie thinking, like Joe, and you have said, that Holden is a main character and his motives are the primary goal of this movie, it's problematic. But that is not, if you really pay attention to the movie, right. it, he loses. He loses everything, mm-hmm. and he has to rebuild anew, and you hope that he does, because they don't tell you for sure. And again, the movie was ended, so they don't have enough time. Yeah. Um, I can tell you for sure, threesomes don't fix relationships. There's no I in threesome. Um, so that's also an, uh, uh, Interpol song. So I had to find a way to fucking plug that in, but it's very poignant in this situation. But I was going to say like, so I mentioned that relationship that, you know, this movie Mm -hmm. suggests that it work out. That was a relationship that was a bad, bad breakup in which it was another situation for me and how this movie kind of works, which is what made it kind of difficult for me to be have that criticized is that was i don't want to say that was my chase and amy moment it really what it's not like that it was just this was a toxic relationship on both parts mm-hmm. but for my end made me recognize where my narcissistic tendencies were problematic for my partner and vice versa for them but for me specifically like in the years that followed like okay i need to not go into relationships i need to recognize i'm going into relationships for me and that's not how to go for it so i went a long period like years like figuring that out where i'm like i'm not ready to jump into a relationship until i know i want to 
share something with somebody, not me benefit from something or them benefit from me something. Something we can mutually work together. Uh, and that's that's where you would really hope. That's the growth. Again, we all do what Holden has done. Sometimes we do it multiple times if we don't get it right. Um, and that you hope that you can. And luckily for, I would say luckily for me currently in my relationship of nearly six years, figured it out. And it's like these moments. So now seeing this a second time, I think it reaffirmed like, yep, nope, there was a lesson to be learned. This movie has rewatchability depending on where you watch it. Mm-hmm. Like not just age, but maturity, like in a, and when it comes to relationships. Because again, you can be in your late 30s and 40s and still not know this shit. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, very yeah. true. You could die never knowing this shit. Yeah. I that's why that I think it's still yeah. an important film it is today um just as important as it was uh yeah i i I still have to wonder though just from my own experience there's some really important powerful stuff in this and i i don't think it was picked up uh like it should have been in 97 i can speak as a essentially one of the target audiences you know a teenager seeing this it it was it was thought-provoking and eye-opening, just like we talked about with Dogma. I'm sure there was, you know, concepts and, and stuff from this that I took with me growing up. Um, but not as many as I should have, I can you honestly know, say. I, I will say this, from my observation, the one thing I knew about this movie, prior to even seeing it, was that the biggest thing about this was, like, representation of LGBTQ. Not mm-hmm. like, the, it's not even that fucking strong, but I mean, for 97 look at that mm-hmm. um it's but there like, like it's a... there no. um and that was the biggest like acclaim that it got but the reality it was like i never really heard this like no it's actually really poignant like showing of like what happens in like actually fuck Alyssa puts points at best looking at the couple making out on bank uh banky's car like mm-hmm. that's not love that's fleeting mm-hmm mm-hmm foreshadow motherfuckers yeah um yeah. i think lust is a part as a as a main part of this not movie. for those that couple yeah. that was lust. for this one it was pride yeah it was the narcissism yeah he wasn't it wasn't about him having a sexual attraction to her it was the emotional one for him yeah and the pride that he felt that's what the sin was it wasn't lust it was pride mm-hmm. yeah yeah because yeah. he didn't yeah. And envy to a degree, I suppose. Yeah, he seemed to be more into the idea that she was into him than being into her. Yep. As in we general, all do. So. Like, right. Yeah. Or we've all done. Ideally, we don't. I, I feel like that's life. something every person has been guilty of once in yeah. their life. It, it, I, and, I guess and I can't say can, that for sure, but. <laughs> like, and there's elements of that that we can continuously be guilty of. It's like, it's always, you got to. You you could you always do these things right like these things are kind of part of that natural mm-hmm. like hormone driven whatever it's it's the drive the maturity comes from being that wise fool who can look back going like I gotta not do what I feel like I'm supposed oh. to because yeah. that's what Holden did Holden knew better and he still did it anyways they oh, showed that I, he knew better i know for a fact that after 1997 i am guilty of you no know, obviously it's been a, quite a long time but um been a while. guilty guilty of doing the i like you and so i'm just going to dump my 
emotional yeah. baggage on you and and yeah at the, because in every other movie that influences you when right. you're growing up it was like that's how you do it you just be honest it's like yeah, yeah. you just keep shit to yourself and you read the fucking room. i remember doing yeah. that to somebody and i'm not obviously going to go into details but yeah, yeah i can remember acting that way on one occasion at least i think there's a i think there's an appropriate way to go about it like to communicate to the person like listen i know that we might not have a romantic thing going on but i feel like it's important for me to mention like this is something i am feeling at this moment um, but you know but i i this is not me trying to press you to do anything it's just like right. i need to get this out and this is not your weight to carry i just if you feel like i'm doing weird things this is why and but i don't want to keep doesn't, doing that anymore and he doesn't do it the right way no well and and <laughs> no, she no, knows she, she already knows, knows because she when when he storms off when he finds out she's that she's mature. gay she, yeah she is the one who comes back to him and says look i sorry to disappoint right but i'm still willing to be friends and still yeah. you know have a friendship with you and have a relationship that way so she already knows when he brings it up to her and he emotionally dumps on her like that it's just pressure it's pressuring to her and she goes for it right but you know that's it's this wasn't like a hey you know i just want to get this on the table but don't don't expect i don't expect anything yeah now she already knew this is just an uncomfortable thing I'm he with. he was yeah it was very very selfish but yeah, yeah so well he did it in that yeah. like cheesy romantic way i think we're going in circles we should probably yeah. wrap this up yeah. Yeah. yeah we should probably wrap it up uh anyone have any final thoughts or should we jump right into let's just jump final thoughts Everybody that we haven't said before at this point <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah what do you guys think uh in 2022 what what grade what do, do you, we give to uh chasing amy does it hold up for what do you got joe um yeah some of the humor still works some of it doesn't um but i think overall like even when the jokes don't there's, there's an important scene too i feel when um banky is using a lot of of offensive language and names for members of the lgbtq community a lot of f word stuff um and holden calls him out on it says you know could you curb that could you stop and i think that's important because yeah, back then yeah. nobody was doing that nobody was exactly. saying stop saying that stop yeah. um and so that that is handled well so i do think this movie's very ahead of its time with those types of things and i think it's it's real like that's something that kevin smith is good at is is realism in his conversations because i think back then i know this is going to sound contradictory to what i just said but there were people saying don't do this but it wasn't the popular culture you didn't hear it in movies your friends would say hey cut that out you know um you would hope your friends would say cut yeah that out. right um it was it so this was it's realistic in that way i think this is a very realistic film about the complexities of relationships um because this movie could not be about a gay woman who is being infatuated by this you know toxic straight man it could just be about relationships and it really just is you know because even silent bob's story is it's about a heterosexual relationship but he's doing the same shit mm. um insecurities yo it's it's complicated though looking at this in 2022 i feel because these are themes that we're finally starting to see make it into popular films but they are much more 
I don't want to say ham-fisted, but sometimes. But they're they're more heavy-handed. Heavy-handed is a questionable yeah. usage given yeah. the heavy-handed. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> much more. Heavy I mean, poignant, and, poignant yeah. given the conversation that they have wow. in this movie. But but it, it's <laughs> in this one. I think he's he's Kevin Smith is doing the best that he can with these themes to try to get them through. I don't think they always were were yeah. picked up because, like Eric pointed out. I remember this movie, there were no surprises, but what surprised me is how my perception of it was different. And I think yeah. a lot of that is what we see in popular culture today, which luckily has improved. Um, performances are fantastic. I'm not always a huge Joey Lauren Adams fan. I think sometimes she just kind of plays the same character, but she's very, very good in this. Um, ben Affleck's pretty good. I've seen him better in other stuff. Uh, Matt Damon is phenomenal as usual um as executive number two as executive number two yeah he really steals yeah. the show um but yeah I, I i i actually in our conversation my grade has shifted around a lot um i i still feel like the ending lot missed the opportunity to be That's a like little more clear opinion, bro about yeah about how kind of yeah. these, these characters are resolved but maybe that's what he was going for i i can't really tell but overall i'm, I'm actually going to give this one a uh, b plus no that was a rocky I, I i was really on the edge of my seat waiting what's joe gonna get I, yeah that's good that's good what do you think ryan shit it's my turn no it's fine um picking back piggybacking off of one of the things that joe was saying in his about like the depictions I think in a modern sense, Holden is a good depiction of what it's like to be like a toxic ally. Mm. So the idea that like, it's like he himself probably feels himself pretty good. It's like, look, I'm not like my friend Banky saying all these in like these discriminatory things towards other people. And he even says like, hey, don't do that, dude. But then again, he does these other things. And I think that's a good in a modern sense, like especially now where you have a lot of like charged political opinions on two different sides. And then you have the cannibalism within those groups on both left and right. Uh, Holden's a good example of a person like, Hey, maybe you have the, the right direction in mind, but you're going about it in a very like shitty, like not the best way. Mm -hmm. And you just need to kind of hold yourself accountable for it a little bit here uh vice versa you also if this movie is show, this movie is shown people have seen this movie and they could view his character as just like he is a villain and it's just like no he's a flawed human being like literally everyone else and it's no he has bad traits but you hope it's for the best that's that's what it is i don't like holden either but i mean it's just like i don't like i only like uh Alyssa really in this movie and that's how this movie goes in the long run here. It's just like watching a woman be chased. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just like, I don't want to be chased anymore. I, I just I just want to enjoy what I want to enjoy. And that's the biggest message. She's actually the protagonist of this fucking movie. Um, and and like that kind of, that's the way I kind of like view it at this point. And it, this is a movie that does... If you give it a chance to watch and you can survive the crude humor, the terribly outdated, like, attempts in that crude humor, um, 
and and kind of see past the idea that Holden's a main character that this is a movie about toxic relationships or even a toxic worldview if you just think you're good you're better than what you actually are like narcissism it's all about narcissism and insecurity my review is a fucking mess but i said all my good shit earlier um (laughs) this movie i think it was going to be a b plus for me too but actually having this conversation it's hard i kind of want to give it an a minus but i feel like it's for the sake i think it's fair to give it a b plus i can leave it at that I'm gonna repeat. Well, I'm not gonna repeat because of the fact that we've repeated <laughs> so many things. But like, I'm going to, you know, um, Fun to land in kind of the same place. I I do feel kind of stupid for uh, going on the record saying that I thought this was gonna be a super dated movie, and it is in a way, but like totally not that, the way that I thought that it was going. To I be. think that's like, a f- fair uh-huh. thing to say, though. Regardless, um, and yeah, I I think uh, I actually enjoyed watching it because it's just so many different things about it, which we've over discussed in this so i won't go back into it but um it's got some 90s stuff but in general like datedness if you had to weigh it put it on a scale the datedness versus the elements of this movie that were like so far ahead of its time the so far ahead of its time massively outweighs the dated aspects of it i I still think it's fair it's fairly watchable mostly because of the uh kind of (laughs) immortal or like timeless uh things that it's pointing out about human relationships and romantic relationships and all this stuff, which makes it actually one of the best romantic comedy movies you'll ever see. And no, it's not heartwarming and no, it's not what you think of, of all of those things when you say romantic comedies, but it is that it is a comedy about romance and about kind of the, the the sloppier, you know, um, not pretty side of, uh, what love and what our relationships can, can do to us. So, um, and it's really well done. It's got a great script. Um, I think this is a strong contender, probably, you know, paired up with the, the last Kevin Smith film we discussed with, for being his best film. Um, it's, I don't know, for me, especially in a sense that this is a movie made in 1997, this is an A movie. I think it's, it's really great. I honestly thought it was gonna, I was gonna, um, I thought we were going to kind of tear into this one, and I don't really have a lot of bad things to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good way to go into something, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Fuck it. I'm changing it back to A-. I'm with A- yeah. again. Eric convinced me. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it, this was an important film. And that was one of the questions I wrote down that we didn't get to, but, like, the uh, Criterion Collection re-released this, the special edition DVD that I that I have from the library. And they, they define their mission statement as, you know, culturally important cinema. And yeah. I was kind of like, is this really one of those? And after I got to watch it, I'm like, yeah, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it fits fits the bill. Oh, so. totally. It's not a clean so. movie. It's meant to be a dirty movie in every yeah. way. Yeah. Yep. Like, it's oh. meant to make you feel good. I, I do have a last thought, actually. Okay. And we can choose to edit this out. I think a modern interpretation or a remake of this movie would be a relationship between a man and a woman, but one's pro-choice and one's uh pro-life like the guy's pro-life and she's pro-choice and the conflict is she gets pregnant but she's like i don't want to have this baby but you need to and she's like nope this is not what i want and does it and then that's the whole thing that's what ruins the relationship is he can't let go of the fact that that's her body and that's her choice i think you could do this with a lot 
of, of you can't social but that issues. one popped you, into you my head do, for a brief you moment you could do this with trans you could you know it's lgbtq yeah. all over you know across yeah. the spectrum well, and again it's about fluidity and yeah it kind of yeah. also touches back a little bit to uh the one of the themes in dogma that we discussed quite a lot which was ideas versus beliefs you know mm-hmm. so being rigid versus being flexible um but we would also love to know what any of our listeners think of chasing Amy. Is there anything that we left out? Um, and I know we had we didn't really talk much about the, you know, I, I you know you said that they kind of conclude this story in one of the later Jay and Silent Bob movies. So they they come back to it a they, little bit. I don't know if conclude is the right word. Okay. But, yeah. But uh, anyway, we'd love to hear what any of our listeners think. If you want to share any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms, please direct them to the Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod, or find us on Facebook and Instagram on our main Video Junkyard Podcast pages. If you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And uh, if you like what you hear on the show, we'd appreciate it if you'd head over to patreon.com slash Video Junkyard Podcast and help support uh, the podcast, every uh, thing we collect through pa- our Patreon uh, subscriptions, it does go directly back into producing the podcast, and uh, also comes with a bunch of lovely perks, including voting on what we uh, watch on the show. And uh, but next week we're going to be watching uh, the Convent, which I'm looking forward to, just based on the grin on Joe's face right now. Uh, <laughs> um, you must not want to watch it. Let's delay it. Also in, the, <laughs> also, in the near future, we're going to be looking at Dave Made a Maze, Be Kind, Rewind, and uh, I don't think I even told you guys that what my pick was, next pick was, but uh, I'm going to do The Borrowers. You remember oh, cool. The, uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, so we'll yeah. And then somewhere see. down the line, we'll also be doing Jersey Girl. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so. After Geely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, we hope that that's going to be uh, the recurring joke from now. On. I'm just going to end it with, and at some point, Jersey Girl. Uh, and we hope that you've <laughs> actually never be that would be our last episode ever. We hope that you've enjoyed uh, checking out the Video Junkyard podcast. We thank you for visiting, and also please feel free to share around on the aforementioned social media pages that we use. And until next time, this is the Video Junkyard podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. And I'm Ryan Saisko. Same. What's a Nubian? You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>